welcome to a, another edition of Two Strike Noise. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff Paulson, sitting uh, in his normal spot uh, this week. Everything is completely normal this uh, this weekend. Uh, is uh, my co-host Mark A. Johnson. Mark, you are wearing an all-white outfit, and I am wearing an all-black outfit. What's up with that? That's right. We are honoring, and I mean honoring, Players Weekend uh, today. It's it's exciting. Uh, boy, oh boy, do I love these unis. So I'm going to give you I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you a choice here on what we're going to talk about regarding Players Weekend. We can we can do a normal uh, baseball history podcast or you and I can try and watch a game and try and figure out who in the world is pitching and who is at the plate <laughs> with these uniforms and nicknames. Yeah, they both sound very tempting. Uh, but I spent last night watching the uniforms trying to figure out what everybody's number and name was because you can't read them. Um, so let's go with the baseball podcast. What do you say? Let's do that. That does not mean we will not touch on these uniforms. because Oh, no, I, no, no. They I need think, to be discussed. I think we have a lot to say. First, though, let's uh, let's jump into kangaroo court here. I was hoping we wouldn't have to do this this week. Dang but it. is there is there ever really a show that we don't need to be taken to kangaroo court? Last week, I mistakenly said Tom Foley when we were talking about the at that point, the Expos utility infielder was Speaker yes. of the House. So he would not have actually been a senator, but rather a member of the House of Representatives. Correct. Yeah. So how did I'm, I not pick that up? Well, I yeah, only studied yeah. political science. Okay. Well, I was gonna I was gonna find some way to fine you for that anyway, but now I'm gonna you double should. that fine. <laughs> I accept full responsibility for your miscue. All right. Well, let's see. My mortgage this month is. Uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> oh, get don't worry. I got you. plenty of money. Yeah, I got. Oh, lots. just whatever you need. Just let me know. Oh, oh, that's great. This this gig pays well, I guess. Oh man. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Players Weekend because this is you know we normally don't touch on a whole lot of current baseball things, but I am I'm a little hot under the collar, and I'm glad to see that I'm not the only one. You're not a big fan, and Twitter has not been a big fan either, but. This monochromatic look is, I don't get it. This is a weekend where players are allowed to express themselves, you know, wear cleats that have some personal things on them. They can wear, uh, you know, different colored batting gloves and sleeves. They've got emojis on their, their nameplates for, for Pete's sake. So what does MLB is like, well, how can we suppress all of this personal expression? Hey, I got it. Let's make all the uniforms either white or black. I showed up at the ballpark last night and I looked down and I went, we're not really going to dress like that, are we? And uh, my first thought when I saw the white uniforms was, hey, space balls. Exactly. That was one. I've got a whole bunch of things I found here listed uh, from Twitter that I'll go through here in a minute. But what was interesting, I watched part of your your Mariners uh, Blue Jays. Why were the Mariners? They're the home team, but they wore the black uniforms. Yeah, it was... uh, it, the home team gets to choose, and apparently we chose black because we thought it wasn't going to be sunny. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. It's a day game. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think that was the only game I saw where the home team was not wearing the white uniforms. Interesting. Well, if, if there was another team wearing a home team wearing black, our listeners will let us know. I'm sure they will. But, <laughs> you know, for me, the A's tweeted out pictures of their uniforms, and, you know, I will buy just about anything that has green and gold on it. I love sure. to buy A's and, and wear A's stuff to show my support. I will not touch these things. Like, there's no, like, the past players' weekend uniforms, I did not care for, but at least they were team colors. Yeah. These are just, it looks like a video game where the they couldn't, like, afford the licenses for the from the MLBPA. <laughs> it does, because you can't really make out the name or number that way. No, one. you can't. And, and I'm assuming you, I, did you work the, the Friday night game? I did, yes. Did you, so part of part of Mark's responsibility is to be able to see players' uniform numbers so that they get displayed properly and the right player is up on the on the big screen and, and the other screens in the stadium. I have to assume, especially trying to find out who's warming in the bullpen, must have been a bit of a chore. Yeah, the, it, you got it exactly right. Looking in the bullpen to try and put up uh, who's warming up was darn near impossible. We'd look, is it 42? No. <laughs> Well, there's no four nor two. Uh, it's 37. No. Yeah, it was it was difficult. And you can't read the name at all from a distance. I, I've got to imagine it was probably even harder than Jackie Robinson Day because if somebody's wearing an emoji instead of a name, it's yes. got to be kind of hard. Yeah, what do you say? You know, that's, uh, that's sad man right there. And yeah. there's Winky, you know. 
I don't oh, know. Man. So some of the things that I saw on Twitter, it, just to compare the the black and white uniforms. Yeah, I saw a lot of Spaceball references. Spaceball, the baseball game. Mm-hmm. Spy mm-hmm. versus Spy. Do you remember that from oh, Mad sure, Magazine? Yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. UniWatch, who's one of my favorite places to, to, to follow on Twitter and just to read their columns, uh, they called them a hideous catastrophe. <laughs> and, you know, I saw before the weekend, I saw mixture a mixture of reactions. Some people thought, oh, these are going to be cool. And, and some people, you know, thought as we do, these these are not good. But I have yet to see much positive uh, feedback now that there's actually been games played with these uniforms yeah i haven't nobody's come up to me and said boy do i love these uniforms can't wait to buy one yeah oh uh, i just I, let's just i i wouldn't even mind just wearing let's everybody wear throwback uniforms let fans vote let fans vote on what their what their team is gonna wear for players weekend Something, or, yeah. or let the players I, vote give them give them some options but these are i don't like these at all if yeah. you if you haven't noticed no, I, I, I was <laughs> going to ask you to really actually tell us how you feel about them because you're kind of being ambiguous. Yeah, I'm kind of wishy-washy on this one. Going back. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk some actual actual baseball, some, some actual historic baseball and triple plays, specifically uh, triple plays that involve the human vacuum cleaner, Brooks Robinson. Now, oh, yeah. you, you might think when I brought this topic up, I might want to discuss how many triple plays Brooks started, but no. He did start three defensively, by the way, but that's not what I was looking into. So if you remember, Brooks Robinson is a 16-time gold glove winner at third base for the Baltimore Orioles. 16 yeah. times. From, from what I've been told by uh, veterans and old folks uh, besides me is that he was absolutely incredible human highlight machine. Yeah, I've got to assume he's kind of like Nolan Arenado and, and Matt Chapman rolled into one. Right. Well, uh, uh, he holds the record for triple plays hit into, actually. He hit into four triple plays in what? his career. How is yeah. that possible? Most people don't even participate in one. I, I, so no active player has hit into more than one. Now, obviously, Brooks isn't active anymore, but nobody nobody playing today has hit into more than one. He hit into four in his career. Now, That's he had a crazy. long career, though. Sure. But uh, that, I thought that was that was rather interesting. That's bizarre. Somebody, I mean, he wasn't fleet of foot, no, but, but he was also a pretty good hitter. So, I mean, I guess I don't know why you wouldn't be starting runners. You know, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I'm, I tell you what, though, thinking of triple plays makes me think of Gary Gaetti. The rat. Yeah, he used to sit right there on that line, man. And if there was a line drive or a hard hit ball to third, boom. I don't know how many triple plays that guy started, but I swear, I remember it would be like twice a year we'd see a highlight like that. Well, let's, let's, let's circle back to that next show because Robinson started three. Let's see how many and if he holds the record. So write that down. There, there's okay. your homework. Putting a pin in it. Yep. Next week, you're going to come back and tell us some more about triple plays. All right. That sounds like fun. All right. So let's uh, jump into our debuts segment. I got I got some some good names here for uh, players that made their debuts, as well as one guy that played his final game on. And I did make sure I, I double checked the date. This uh, podcast is premiering on August 27th. So I went through and made sure that these guys, so I don't get fined again, are actually, you know, I, I'm doing the right date. First, 1995, Mike Cameron made his debut for the Chicago oh, White Sox. Nice. Now, Mike Cameron, especially to Mariner fans, is the probably best known as the guy that replaced Ken Griffey Jr. in center field yes. for the Mariners. He was given the impossible task. And he did he did a hell of a job, too. I he mean, that, awesome. that, that is like, didn't Didi Gregorius, isn't he the first shortstop since Jeter left? I believe so, yeah. And he's done a great job. He's but carrying it, yeah, yeah. Do you remember who who took over at third base for Cal Ripken? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's not Chase Headley, but I think it was a Headley. I don't, I don't okay. remember. I want to, I want to say it was a Headley, but I don't think it was. I think Chase Headley came up with the Padres. But uh, who took over for Lou Gehrig? I mean, we know who who Lou Gehrig took over for right. Wally Pip, but the who took Wally over Pip. for him? Yeah. You, you never remember those guys usually. So no. to, to remember Mike Cameron is that I, I would say is, is doing a good job. 
uh, Mike Cameron played 17 years, ended up with a .782 OPS, and this was surprising to me, a 46.7 war. That's, Whoa. That's pretty high. I did not think it would be that high. Wow. And now he's a he's a roving instructor for the for the uh, Mariners now. I saw him yes. over the weekend. Yeah, it, he was so impressive in the outfield. Uh, and then he also had the he had four home runs in one game. Yep. That's so right. He did some cool stuff. I found out who played uh, who replaced uh, Cal Ripken Jr. Who is that? Ryan Miner. Right. Oh, that's right. Cuz Ryan Miner went to Washington State. Where am I go. getting Headley from? I don't remember. Remember where I'm getting Headley from? For Headley Lamar from Blazing Saddles. There you go. That's 100 <laughs> percent it. That was random. Okay. <laughs> All right. Our next one. A year later, 1996, Doug Mirabelli made his debut behind the plate for the San Francisco Giants. Oh wow! Now I I just mentioned this because I remember Doug Mirabelli. He was Tim Wakefield's personal catcher, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure I that that was so. Him. Yeah. Yeah, he had the bigger glove. and Yeah, yeah. so he would, I, I believe he got traded to the Padres at one point from the Red Sox while Wakefield was still in the Red Sox, and they ended up trading back for him midway through the year just because <laughs> everyone else is having such a hard time catching Wakefield's knuckler. Yeah, I remember that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a thankless task because no matter how well you do, you're going you're gonna to give up a pass oh, yeah. ball or two. Yes, he was a personal catcher of uh, Tim Wakefield. It is verified. Yeah, so so Mirabelli led the league in pass balls only two two years in two thousand and three and two thousand and four, both with Boston. But yeah, in two thousand and six, he was traded to the Padres. He only played nine games there, and then he was traded back to the Red Sox, <laughs> where he <laughs> that's pretty where he, I'm sure was behind the plate for the rest of Wakefield's uh, start. So Doug played for 12 years, a .724 OPS, which is not too bad, 74 no. career pass balls, and a defensive war of 2.9. So, I, that, you know, that, that D war there obviously took a hit from those pass balls, but, sure. you know, he was, he was doing exactly what he was supposed to. Our last uh, debut from 1997, Mikel Tejada with the Oakland Athletics. Wow, you got a you got a connection there. That guy was amazing. Yeah, I really liked Miggy a lot when he. I even liked him a lot when he went to Baltimore. He was one of those guys that he was the uh, the American League MVP in two thousand and two. I remember. I think that was kind of a controversial one. I think there were a couple of other candidates that were worthy. Uh, he led the league and grounded into double plays five times. Wow, <laughs> just in case that's you're, interesting. You're into that kind of stuff. He played for sixteen years. Uh, ended up with a seven point or a point seven nine one OPS and a forty seven point three WAR. So Mike Cameron actually ended up with a higher career WAR than Miguel Tejada. You wouldn't. You would never think that. Never would you think that. Uh, remember, of course, that uh, Miguel Tejada was busted for PEDs in twenty thirteen and sus suspended for a hundred and five games. And after that, it was it was over. I think he came back for a handful of games. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Unfortunate ending. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I believe he also was busted for perjury. Like he was, he was part of the test of, you know, when players yeah. were testifying and I believe he testified on behalf of Rafael Palmero or something like that. And mm. he got busted yeah. for perjury as well. Uh, last thing I wanted to touch on this date in 1934, Herb Pennock played his final game. So Pennock was a mainstay of the 20s uh, Yankees starting pitching staff. So that was, you know, the Babe Ruth prime Lou Gehrig era where they were just dominant for a whole decade and a half. He ended up yes. with a 241 and 162 uh, career mark and a 44.6 war. Ooh, yeah, 80 games over 500. Not bad. Yeah, I remember him. I, I used to you know, playing, uh, playing Strat or my version of it. He was a, you know, if I did a historical one, he was always dominant. Now it is worth noting that Herb Pinnock was a horrible racist. He was not, <laughs> he opposed integration. And I don't remember if they covered this in the movie 42, but he was the, um, the man, no, he was the GM of the Phillies. 
And that first year that Jackie Robinson came up, he sent the Dodgers just some reprehensible letters warning them not to bring Jackie Robinson. He used other words. Don't you dare bring him to to our stadium, blah, blah, blah. I mean, just a reprehensible human being. Uh, but karma caught up with him the very next year. Uh, Pennock uh, keeled over and died from a, from a heart problem. The, the very <laughs> next hatred. year. Yeah. Yes, it's, the <laughs> hatred was flowing through him so much that... Uh, that it, it got him, but thought that would be worth. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, especially the uh, side note there. That's something. That's something uh, that that is unfortunate with uh, a lot of the old players, just because the times were so different. Yeah, and you know, yeah, times were different, but I'm still going to call them out when they're. Oh, absolutely, no question. Good baseball player and an awful human being. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely. I agree with you completely. All right, so that's going to wrap up our uh, BP segment. Uh, some good uh, good notes there and some wonderful discussion on players' uniforms. Let's jump into the top of the first inning and get on with our show here. Let's do it. So we're going to do something a little bit different here. Now, we are generally, we're, we're, a, we're a history pod, baseball history podcast, but we generally don't dive deep into numbers and stats. And we're not going to dive too deep into this, but I thought it would be interesting to take a look at a coaching staffs, current coaching staffs from around the major leagues, most of these guys have spent some time in the major leagues, some a lot more than others, but I thought it'd be interesting to kind of look at these coaching staff's numbers from their playing career and just get a sense of who has done what. And uh, looking at some of these, doing the research on this, I didn't even know who half these coaches, well, I knew who, I, I knew the, the names, but I had no idea they were coaching or managing in some cases. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, let, let's go through this. We're going to start with the American League. I'm going to I'm going to start. Uh, Mark's going to do the National League, and I thought this would be fun. One, just to see some of these names uh, might be names that we haven't thought about or talked about for a while. But then also to look at some of these these career stats from them. So I'm going to start out. We're just going to start out in the AL West because it's the AL best, <laughs> and we're going to just go uh, go in alphabetical order here of uh, location. So first is the Astros. Of course, AJ Hinch is the current manager. Now I remember AJ Hinch came up with the A's uh, as a catcher and everybody was like, all excited about him. And he ended up having kind of a, a lackluster career. He ended up with seven years in the majors, uh, an OPS of 636 and a war of zero. So <laughs> <laughs> You can't get more average than that. He was as average as you can get. Uh, he spent time with the A's, the Royals, the Tigers, and the Philadelphia uh, Phillies. I almost said the Philadelphia Athletics because we are a history podcast. <laughs> because we talk about those guys. <laughs> uh, Alex Cintron. Oh, and the way I did this is I, I took uh, the manager, the hitting coach, the pitching coach, the first base coach, and the third base coach. And then I threw one wild card in there. Uh, so sometimes, in this case, it's an assistant hitting coach. Sometimes it's a bullpen coach. More than more times than not. So there are there's a wild card for each team. We'll get to that. Uh, the hitting coach is Alex Cintron. I remember that name. He played for nine years for a, a bunch of different teams. Not a whole lot going on. His numbers look very similar to AJ Hinch. Only he ended up with a minus two point two WAR. So the Astros, as good as they are on the field. Not that great uh, <laughs> coaching staff-wise. Brent Strom was yeah. their, is their pitching coach. Right. I've never heard of him. But he apparently pitched for five years for the Mets, the Indians, and the Padres. Didn't, uh, didn't have that bad of a career. Uh, ended up with a 3.95 ERA. He pitched for five years and had a pitcher's war of 1.2. Uh, Don Kelly, I am unfamiliar with. He's their first base coach. He played for Fort, uh, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Miami. So he has to, that has to be a relatively he has to be relatively young to have played for the Marlins. But I don't know who he is. If you, do you remember Don Kelly? I don't. He has a, a .2 WAR. So well, at least it's positive. Yeah, he's he's up there. Uh, now the the whole pitching the whole staff is raised by the third base coach Gary Pettis. So dude, give me a minute on Gary Pettis. Because I have a story. When I was uh, working in AAA, um, I bet a catcher, Henry Mercedes. I remember Henry. He played for Kansas City, I believe. I, he played for Oakland, too. Now, not everybody knows this, but I have some pretty wacky hair. Back then, it was even 
more wacky and um henry mercedes hated my hair so we made a bet if uh the they were then the tigers tacoma tigers if i had to shave my head if they won five straight games if they lost five straight henry had to shave his head well they went on a hot streak of course and because they weren't playing that well and all of a sudden boom five wins and henry mercedes got to shave me bald completely bald from this wacky head of hair to you know mr clean i like that look yeah Anybody and doesn't know, I have I have shaved. I it. mentioned that because Gary Pettis was very excited about my hair being shaved off, but that same day he got called into the coach's office and released. So, <laughs> so it was a good news bad news situation. It was all bad for Gary. Yeah, Pettis. well, he got yeah he enjoyed the old bald bald mark, but uh, yeah, he kind of was looking for work after that. <laughs> so Gary Pettis had quite a good major league career. He played for eleven years. Uh, he played for California, Detroit, Texas, and San Diego. He ended up with a .642 OPS. <laughs> I've clearly mistyped something because I have him down with 958 home runs. <laughs> yeah, I think it was less than that. I'm guessing maybe it was either 95 or 58 because last I checked, Gary Pettis was not atop the career yeah, home run leaderboard. It's uh, he had 21 home runs. Okay, well, I have no idea where that number came from, but <laughs> he did finish with a career war of 22, and uh, I've got a special note here because he stole 354 bases. Wow, yeah, he was quick, fleet of foot, and probably the best defensive outfielder I've ever seen. Uh, he was, yeah, he was really good. I, I'm not going to put him up that high in, in, in terms of the best defense. I, didn't you watch Griffey play? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, though, uh, and I would compare them defensively. Um, but I have Gary Pettis, man, when I was a kid, Gary Pettis just made, he was on the highlight film every day. I swear, you know, he was a light hitter. He hit, you know, 236 career, but five gold gloves, you know, usually there, there is a section of, for some reason to get a gold glove, you have to be known, you know, um, and decent hitter for some reason. He was not, you know, he hit 210 one year and won a gold glove. So he was, he was very flashy out there. Yeah, he was known. He was known for his defense, and he's got a son in the NFL. His son went to That's his right. wide receiver. I believe he went to UW, University of Washington, and I think he's here uh, on the Forty Nine ers. Nice. I don't know much about football, but I think I know that. I think that's true. Uh, I threw a wild card in here for the Astros. I I picked assistant hitting coach Troy Snitker, who never appeared in the major leagues. Uh, and he is the wild card simply because none of their other coaches ever appeared in the minor in the in the major leagues. Uh, so I couldn't really give them any. I thought you were going to say it was uh, the wild card because of his name Snitker, because I love the names. Yeah. So that there is the the coaching staff for the Astros. They have a career combined WAR of twenty one point two. There you go. So there is that. So Mark, why don't you let, let's go back and forth. So why don't you? Uh, you start in the National League West, and, and let's let's talk about the, the Diamondbacks coaching okay. staff. Um, manager for the D-backs is uh, Tori Lovolo, who played, what, eight years? Eight years in the big leagues, 303 games. He, was, uh, he had a lifetime OPS of 636 and a minus .9 war. He played for, let's see, Detroit, uh, the Yankees, California, Seattle, Oakland. <laughs> Cleveland and Philly. I don't like, I remember Tori Lovello as a player. I don't remember him playing for any of those teams. <laughs> I don't, but I don't remember him playing for any team though. I, I remember him, but I couldn't, couldn't tell you who he played for. Yeah. So I have to assume that my research was correct on that. Right. Um, okay. So the hitting coach is Darnell Coles, a former Mariner. Now I, yeah, I remember Darnell Coles to me is a tiger always. Oh, uh, sure. And Coles, um, 14 years in the big leagues, not too bad. And a 689 uh, war is minus 1.4. I'm sorry, 689 ops. War was minus 1.4. So the Blue Jays kind of wonder about so that the war. Yeah, I'm sorry, the D-backs. Why did I say that? Let's see, Mike Butcher. So we got a, we got a pitcher here. And guess what? He's the pitching coach. That works out yeah, well. Four years in the big leagues, 115 games. Butcher career was 4-11 and 11 with two saves. So, you know, all-around pitcher. Nice work. And uh, he had a war of 0. .8, so positive. The first uh, positive on, on the D-backs. 
and one of the only. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. You may be the only one because uh, Dave McKay is up next, eight years in the bigs. Now, Dave McKay, he was the first base coach for Tony La Russa forever. Yeah. He was the first base coach here in Oakland during, you know, the late, you know, the 80s and, and the beginning of the 90s. And then he followed La Russa to the Cardinals where he was the first base first base coach there as well. But I didn't know anything about his playing yeah, career. Dave McKay, I remember as a Minnesota twin in the minors uh, because I was a little tiny kid. And I remember him being on the Tacoma Twins. Uh, Tony Perez Chica, gotta be, you gotta be like learned to, to be able to pronounce that name. <laughs> Perez Chica. Perez Chica. Uh, four years, played a few games, 69. His lifetime war was only negative 0.3, which is good on this staff. <laughs> so far he's the, well, I guess, I guess Butcher is, but offensively he's the leader in the clubhouse for war. So far. <laughs> Uh, and then their bullpen coach is Mike Fetters, who played forever and ever and ever. 16 yeah. years, uh, over 600 games. Uh, you know, he was mostly a reliever. He had 100 saves. Career. Yeah. Wow. And he played for, you know, every single team in baseball, I believe. <laughs> I remember. He's a big guy. Yeah. But he, I remember he'd come on the mound and when he'd come set to check a runner, he'd whip his head and then whip it back. <laughs> And there was one game when Mark Grace got called into pitch because it was a blowout. And Mark Grace, because Fetters was was a reliever on the Diamondbacks yes. at that point, Mark Grace came in and he did the same thing. He was making fun of him and he whipped his head over and looked at the runner at first. And then he whipped it back and then he served up a home. <laughs> That's great. So, <laughs> so there's your D-backs. But Fetters, is, Fetters has the, the positive war, though. He does, 7.7. 7. So on the D-backs, the pitching staff actually – as it has an 8.5 war. So that's among and two the, people. The rest of the, the, rest the, of the rest staff? The rest of the staff is a negative 5.4. <laughs> so the, the D-backs, you know, a great pitching team uh, as a coaching staff, not the best hitters. I'll bet you they let them know about oh, I'm it. I'm sure. Too. I'm sure. All right. So let's jump back to the, to the AL West and the Angels. So Brad Osmus is the manager. I'm sure everybody probably knows Brad Ausmus. 18 years in the major leagues behind home plate. He played for the Padres, came up with the Padres. I think he's probably most well-known for the Tigers and, and Astros. I think he was on that, that 2005 Astros team that went to the World Series and then finished up his career with the Dodgers. Now, he played in 1,971 games. That's a lot of games. Yeah, especially for a catcher. Yeah. Finished with 80 home runs, an OPS of 669, and a career war of 16.5, which is the highest we've seen so far. Wow. Yeah. Wow. His hitting coach there uh, at the Angels is Jeremy Reed. Now, Jeremy Reed played eight years. I do not know who Jeremy Reed is. He came up with the Mariners, played for yes. the Mets, the Blue Jays, and the Brewers. Jeremy Reed, um, left-handed hitter with a little bit of pop. Uh, he was supposed to take over. Uh, one of the outfield positions, pretty good defensively, but he never really panned out and the Mariners ended up trading him. So he ended up with a 1.9 war. Uh, the pitching coach for the Angels, Doug White, never appeared in a major league game. Uh, first base coach, Jose Feliciano, uh, one year in the majors for the Mets. Jeff? Yes. You said Jose Feliciano. Did That's I? the singer. <laughs> I was going to make a Jose Feliciano joke. <laughs> this is actually Jesus Feliciano, but same thing. He played one year. Yeah. yeah. And Jose Feliciano has the one hit. So Yeah. So uh, Jesus finished with a minus 0.2 war. Uh, Mike Gallego, Gags, a third base coach. Now, I am a big fan of Mike Gallego. Uh, I remember Mike Gallego, obviously from the A's. He also played for the Yankees. Uh, helped them start their their dynasty, their latest dynasty, and then finished his career in St. Louis. Thirteen years, Gags uh, played mostly second base, but he could play some short as well. He ended up with a seventeen career WAR. He had a better WAR than than Brad Osmus did. That's amazing because yeah. I remember him as a pretty light hitter, but mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, a seventeen well, WAR really says a lot for his defense. Yeah, yeah, because WAR definitely does take defense into account. He was a he was a I mean, that's 17 above replacement or above yeah. average. You know, he was, I always kind of thought of him as an average player, but, you know. Uh, Paul Sorrento is the assistant hitting coach. I threw him in there as the wild card. 
Sorrento played, yeah, he played 11 years in the majors, 166 career home runs. That's pretty good. I think he and, leads coaches so far that we've mentioned. Yeah, and I think he leads in OPS with a 798 career OPS. That's that's legit right there. Yeah, yeah. And a 5.6 uh, career war. So I did note that the Angels do have two other guys on their coaching staff that could have been that wild card, Andrew Bailey and Jose Molina. But Sorrento had the better numbers. Now, Andrew Bailey was a reliever, came up with the A's, actually closed for them his rookie year and won the Rookie of the Year award that year. And Jose Molina is, of course, one of the famed Molina brothers behind the behind home plate. The so, Molina brothers famous for balancing acts, uh, high wire. Oh, my gosh. I think no, that's I the Walendas. Yeah, yeah, I think sorry. that's the Walendas. Well, I, I called Jesus Feliciano Jose, so we're, we're even on the Angels. So look at this. Good numbers. No, so nobody, because I didn't include Bailey, nobody on the, the coaching staff pitched in the majors. But, you know, non-pitchers ended up with a 24.3 war and Solid. a 668 OPS. So that's Solid. some good numbers for the Angels. So let's jump back to you and let's go back to the Rockies now. It looks like we're, we're, we're pretty much sticking with the AL West here. Let's go with the Rockies. All right. Rockies, um, their manager, Bud Black, uh, not, it's not, you see a lot more position players managing uh, than pitchers. Definitely. But Bud Black, uh, just highly respected uh, all around uh, baseball knowledge and, and leadership. So Bud Black, shoot, I remember him from Strat. He was a lefty. Wasn't the greatest at holding runners on, but uh, he could sure pitch. Um, 15 years in the big leagues, man. 398 games he threw, and career-wise, 121 wins and 116 losses. So five above 500. What really matters, though, is his earned run average was under four, 3.84, and his war, check this out, 21.1. Yeah, for somebody that only finished five games above 500, that's a, that's a pretty good war. Yeah, and uh, he pitched for Seattle. Kansas City, Cleveland, Toronto, but I will always remember him as a San Francisco Giant. Really? I remember him as a Royal more than anybody. No kidding. Yeah. I remember him uh, for the Giants. He pitched pretty darn well for him, if I remember correctly. Next up, Dave Magadan, the hitting coach. Dave Magadan. The Met. He, he will always career. be the Met for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he will. To me, he's a Met. The end. You know, he may have gone on to... I remember him playing for the Mariners for a little stint, too. But 16 years. Uh, check it out. Uh, over a thousand hits career, one thousand one hundred ninety-seven, and uh, an ops of zero point seven six seven, so a seven sixty-seven. That's impressive. Ops. Yeah, and his WAR was twenty-one point one. So str- look at this, same as Bud Black. So yes. the first two two uh, coaches for the for the Rockies coming in with what forty-two point two WAR. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah, pretty awesome. Pitching coach is Steve Foster. Not a long major league career. Three years, he was a uh, career three and three, I believe. And yep. with a 2.41 ERA, a pitch for Cincinnati his whole career, all three years. Um, and then they got their first base coach is Ronnie Gideon, who apparently never played in the major leagues. No, but he is, he's well known for uh, leaving Bibles in hotels. Yeah, I find those all the time. I keep them, do you? I, I had a collection. To. I oh. think you're supposed to leave them. I don't oh. think you're supposed to take them. Whoops. Oh, anyway, I have quite a collection. Stu Cole is the third base coach, and he played a year in the big leagues, nine games. Not heard of him, but he he is apparently better than a replacement because he has a point one war right. in that one He's year. A, just a little bit better than average, <laughs> as little as you can get better than average. Their bench coach, uh, Mike Redmond, who yeah. uh, Florida played for Florida, Minnesota, and Cleveland catcher. Uh huh. And uh, you find a lot of catchers on coaching staffs mm-hmm. because they know pitching and hitting. You know, it's it's been uh, over the last I don't know fifteen years. A lot of catchers get hired as managers just because Definitely. they know how to handle pitchers as as well as hitting. For for guys that put on what are called the tools of ignorance, they're certainly well respected and intelligent yeah. and become managers. That's a fact. Uh, Mike Redman had a point seven zero zero ops. And uh, his war was 6.3, so not bad. So I remember Mike Redman as a Marlin. Mm-hmm. And I remember because when I was at the Braves, he owned Tom Clavin. 
Like at one point he was hitting over 500 against Tom Glavin. <laughs> if you could figure out Mike Redmond's war just against Tom Glavin, it would probably be like 17. I mean, he just <laughs> owned him. And I remember when he, I think he was a free agent and he went to Minnesota. I remember how relieved Tom Glavin was. <laughs> But I mean, look at these numbers for the Rockies pitching staff. Pretty, yeah. imp- or not pitching staff, coaching staff. Yeah, uh, that's impressive. A twenty-seven point five combined WAR for their uh, non-pitchers and twenty-two point nine for their pitchers. That's best we've had. Rockies uh, have a a coaching staff that would have made up a pretty good team. Looks like really good team. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, uh, that's good numbers there. All right, so I'm going to jump back. Uh, look at this. We're going to the Oakland A's. There we go. So, of course, Bob Melvin is the manager. Melvin played 10 years in the major leagues, another catcher. Uh, he finished uh, finished up with the White Sox, but played for a whole bunch of other teams. I mainly remember him as a giant, uh, but I don't remember. I mean, he he played. He was wrapping up his career right as I was getting into baseball. So I don't remember a whole lot about him playing-wise. But, uh, again, a catcher. Uh, ended up with a 2.5 war. Darren Bush is the hitting coach for the A's, never played in the major leagues. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach for the A's, never played in the big leagues. It's kind of interesting to have both those positions never having any major league experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al Rique is the first base coach. He played three years. He played for three different teams, the Mets, the Pirates, and the Tigers. I remember him vaguely with the, with the Pirates. You see, I um, remember Al Padrique with the Pirates as well. Yeah, so he just pretty average. He had one career home run, uh, 0.8 war. Now, El Padrique, though, if I remember correctly, he was a scout for the Astros for a while, and he, I believe, signed Jose Altuve. Ah, uh, not a bad, uh, not a bad signing. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good. God signing. bless El Padrique. <laughs> Third base coach for the A's, Matt oh, Williams, the, the big yeah. Marine. Matt Williams played 17 years in the major leagues, uh, won a couple of gold gloves, ended up with 378 home runs, a 805 career OPS. That's the highest we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And a 46.6 career war. Impressive. Impressive numbers indeed. I mean, those his numbers alone have beaten several entire coaching staff so yeah. far. Beat the heck out of the D-backs. Yeah, and then as my wild card, I put Mark Kotze. Kotze, like Williams, played for 17 years. Hit 700... No, he did not hit... No. I got, some of my research was done late at night because I have him as 720 <laughs> home runs. So he is second, apparently, behind uh, Gary Pettis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know. He didn't hit that many home runs. <laughs> he said he 737 career OPS and a 21.3 career WAR. So the A's non-pitching, uh, non-pitchers. Well, I guess they didn't have anybody to pitch. So the A's career WAR for a coaching staff is 71.2. That's pretty good. All right, so let's jump back up to the NL West and go with the Dodgers. All right, hey, just so you know, Mark Kotze, 127 career home runs. Very, I was very just about six hundred off, so not too bad. If you were guessing world population and you were only off six hundred, you know, it'd be awesome. It was good enough for government work. Okay, what team are we doing? Dodgers. Dodgers, yeah. Um, Let's see. Their manager is Dave Roberts, of course, and Roberts uh, played for five teams over the course of ten years: Cleveland, L.A., Boston, San Diego, and San Francisco. Lifetime ops of seven oh eight. Not bad. So he was a know, good speed guy. Yep, and uh, Roberts had a war, career war of nine. So you know, um, not and a bad one. Very famous team. stolen base. Yes, against the against the Yankees in the playoffs. That's right. Uh, the pitching coach Rick Honeycutt, best known to me as an A for sure. I will always remember him as an A. He was on those all those great teams in the nineties, wasn't he? A, like, yeah, eighties, early nineties. He pitched twenty one years. Hey, a lefty. So if you're a lefty, a lefty. Be- yep. <laughs> <laughs> you can pitch forever if you're a lefty reliever. Yep. 797 career games, so almost 800 games he pitched in. That's pretty incredible. Um, 109 and 143 career, which, you know, okay. Not so great, but uh, 38 saves. 
and a 3.72 career ERA. He struck out over a thousand batters in his career, but his WAR not bad, 21.3. That he was a he was a starter for part of his career, but I think for the majority he was a, a reliever. So that's not a bad not a bad WAR at all. Yeah, uh, Dodgers hitting coach is Rob Van Scoriak. Never played in the major <laughs> leagues, but he has yeah. great names, Van Scoriak. Who I believe Scoyak. wasn't that Dracula's enemy? Yeah, I have. Uh, Sure. Van Helsing. Never mind. I get so confused. Uh, the first base coach, George Lombard, who played six years. George. You remember George Lombard? Um, he was a top prospect for the Braves. That's right. And just never really panned out. Well, I don't know. If you consider uh, eight career home runs not panning out, I guess not. <laughs> well, he panned out more than our careers. Well, in, yeah, that's just true. And uh, lifetime 621 ops and a war of negative 0.9. So right around the average. Uh, third base coach is Dino. Is it Ebel or Ebel? I don't know. I just call him Dino because Dino is pretty awesome. Dino never played in the big leagues. Bullpen coach, Mark Pryor. I remember that guy, Cub. Yeah, definitely. He Mark came Pryor. out. When, I remember him being like a, a he, he came out on He and Kerry Wood yeah, were together. Yeah. yeah. He and Kerry Wood just striking everybody out. Yeah, they gave him a one-two. It was like bizarre. You know, and the city of Chicago was going nuts for him. And it was a fun time. But uh, Mark Pryor only played five years. I believe he got hurt. And so uh, 106 games, career 42 and 29. Wow. Um, yeah, short career, but, you know, 142 games, 3.51 earned run average. He struck out 757 batters. In five years. In five years. <laughs> not bad. Lifetime war of 15.7, so not bad. In fact, really good. If, if he'd have stuck around a while longer, it would have been even more impressive. All right, so let's jump now to your uh, forte, the Mariners. Uh, everybody's favorite manager, Scott Service, who holds up his hand after every play, <laughs> waiting for a, for a replay. Uh, Service played 11 years, another catcher, uh, 820 games, 63 home runs, 681 OPS, and a 3.1 war. I remember him in every one of these uniforms. Houston the Cubs, Cincinnati, San Francisco, and Colorado. Yeah, I remember uh, I remember him as a catcher for the, the Astros mostly. Tim Laker is the hitting coach. He likewise played 11 years in the majors, 11 career home runs, a 602 career OPS, and a minus two war. I remember him with the Expos. Yep. That's who he That's came up with, and then he played a handful of other teams. Uh, next, we've got pitching coach Paul Davis. Now, Paul Davis is, is an oddity because he never played ball at any level. Very odd. Yeah, very, very strange, but he is the pitching. I won't comment on how he's doing. <laughs> Thanks. First base coach Perry Hill likewise did not play in the majors. Chris Prieto, the third base coach, did log one year with the Los Angeles Angels, got into two games, and finished with a career war of zero. Jim Brower is the wild card, the bullpen coach. He has nine years as a pitcher, finished with a 32... 33 and 32 mark, five saves, and a 2.7 war. So not not an yeah. impressive uh, coaching staff there looking at him from their yeah, playing Yeah, I don't, I don't want to put the Mariners up against their coaching staff up against your coaching staff there in Oakland. I'll just concede. Let's have you take a look at the Padres All right. real quick. The, the Padres, who are, of course, the natural rival of the Seattle Mariners. According to Major League Baseball. Oh, yeah. They're, they're hated. Andy Green manages the Padres. He played a little while, four years in the big leagues, logged 140 games. Uh, lifetime ops of 547 and a war of negative uh, 1.3. So Andy Green, probably a, a good manager, but uh, wasn't the best ball player. The hitting coach, Johnny Washington, which is such a cool name that I'm thinking about going by that. You know, my last name is Johnston. I live in Washington. Right. I can week. be Johnny Washington. There's your, there's Johnny your new Washington. stage name. We're going to yeah. do that. Next hitting week. coach, never played in the big leagues. Uh, as their pitching coach, Darren Ballsy. Might be Ballsy. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> a ballsy move by the, pirate, uh, the Padres. To yeah, he didn't pitch in the big Darren. leagues at all, but he's their pitching coach. Um, let's skip <laughs> Shoemaker. I mean, his name is Skip Shoemaker. He's the first base coach. 11 years, uh, all National League, I believe. Uh, lifetime war of 1.3 and an ops of 701. Glenn Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember Glenn Hoffman. Remember nine years name? in the bigs, so I should. Um, he had 23 career home runs. 
and a 623 ops a war of a positive 0.3 there you go oh, damien easily is the assistant hitting coach there he's your wild card 17 years yeah, in the big look leagues. at those numbers he should 1706 games wow. and a ops over 17 years of 733 nothing wrong with that it is impressive. Uh, his war lifetime is 20.5. That's incredible. That's a, that, not incredible. That, that's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Damon Easley is, is he was, he was a darn good ball player. Yeah. He's clearly the top player on this coaching staff. All right. Let's jump down to our final team in the uh, AL West, the Texas Rangers. Chris Woodward is their manager. He played 12 years. I do not remember him at all. Um, I remember him as a mariner. Played- yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if if that's if that's who that is, I remember Woodward on the Mariners, but I don't remember it specifically being Chris. He uh, twelve years, the career OPS of six sixty one and a WAR of one point one. Luis Ortiz is their hitting coach. Uh, I don't remember him either. He played for Boston and Texas four years, a minus one point one. So he just wiped out Woodward's <laughs> positive WAR. Uh, Julio Rangel is their pitching coach, never played in the majors. Hector Ortiz at first base logged four years for the Royals and the Rangers. He had a career war of 0.9. Tony Beasley, their third base coach, did not play in the majors. And uh, some slim pickings for their wild card. But I went with Don Wakamatsu, who uh, that can't be right that he played 18 years. I'm thinking... I think I think he played. He may one have played year. eighteen years of baseball because he was in the minors, on and off. Well, in the majors, I can guarantee you he played one year. It was with the White Sox, <laughs> seven games, okay. uh, a career WAR of minus point one. So not a not a great uh, crew here, uh, playing wise for the Rangers, where they finished with a career point seven WAR for that whole that whole. Yeah. Thing. If I were going to play against the team I, uh, that we've mentioned so far, definitely the Rangers uh, coaching staff. Yeah, the Mariners versus the Rangers coaching staff would be a, be a yeah. battle of a Chris Woodward dominates the Rangers <laughs> in war, though, with 1.1. <laughs> All right, let's take our final look at the uh, National League West and the San Francisco Giants. The Giants uh, manager, uh, Bruce Bocci. Heard of him. And... Uh, yeah, heard of him. He played for nine years in the big leagues. Another catcher. Um, yep, another catcher. Uh, career ops of 685 and a career war of 2.3. So, well, you know, above average. Uh, I remember Bochy as a Padre, though. Yeah, me too. Padres. Yeah. Hitting coach for the Giants is Alonzo Powell. Two years in the bigs, a 629 ops. His war was minus one. He apparently played for Montreal and Seattle. I don't remember him for Seattle. And I don't remember anybody from Montreal, so... No offense, Canada. Are you no offense. Sure you do. Larry Walker, Pedro well, Martinez, yeah, those Vlad. Guys. This is true. Kurt Young. Wow, I have a Kurt Young story, but I'm not going to go into it today. 11 years. A good pitcher. Um, 69 and 53 career and uh, a 4.2 war. He, I remember him as, as an Oakland pitcher, though. Definitely for me, Oakland. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, I remember him being with Tacoma, getting called up and doing pretty darn well for uh for the big league team. Uh, third base coach, Ron Wotus. I love the name Wotus. Uh, Ron Wotus, who uh, uh, was in PCL for quite a while. Uh, two years in the bigs, he, uh, he hit uh, zero home runs and uh, had a 587 ops. And check it out, a war of exactly one. That was for Pittsburgh. And now we get to the big gun, Shawan Dunstan, Dunstan, baby. Shawan. 18 years in the bigs. Uh, Fantastic shortstop for the Cubs. Uh, career ops of 712. He had 150 home runs and a 9.7 career war. Not bad. Now, if you're a Giants fan, you're like, oh, I don't, I've never seen Schwan Dunstan in the dugout. Right? He's the replay yes. coach. So he's the guy back there watching all the monitors, ringing the phone to tell, you know, the tell Bochi if they want to want to challenge yep. or not. So are you are you going to try to pronounce the first base Jose coach? Jose what? Alguacil. Al, Al, it's Al, not Agua, but Algu, Alguacil, or Alguacil. Did you, did you, did you put him off because you were looking up on the you internet know, how to pronounce? No, his name? I just put him off because I didn't want to say it. <laughs> oh yeah, so not, not, uh, not great numbers here. If it wasn't for Sean Dunstan, the the yeah. Giants staff would be yes, wanting definitely. 
All right, so that wraps up the AL West. This took a lot longer than we thought. Yeah, <laughs> we might need, we might want to, we might reformat this so we can get through the rest of the uh, the, the Centrals and the Easts. But uh, looking at that, let us know what you think, though, folks. Yeah, do you even care? Yeah. Do you even want to hear the rest of these things? <laughs> but let's let's just do a quick recap here of the National League West. The Rockies had the highest WAR. Uh, of non-pitchers with 27.5, followed by the Padres at 20.8. The D-backs came in with a minus 5.4. If we look at the pitching staff, the Rockies again came in with the with the top at 22.9. So they had some some good combined numbers. The Giants not so great. Oh, look at the Dodgers with their career WAR of 37 for the pitching staff. Yeah. Some good numbers there. And then for the AL West, I think my A's definitely, yeah, my A's had a 71.2 career war. Jeez, man, that sounds like Billy Ball to me. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's second best overall in baseball, yeah. and we'll tell you who the best is when we get to that, And which is really, and I love I love how the team that's, that's number one is number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then really nobody else. The Angels had a 24.3 and the Astros a 20. So not a whole lot there. So the A's definitely the class of the AL West and the uh, Rockies definitely a class of the NL West. So yeah, let us know if we even should continue with the other ones. I thought it'd be fun just to kind of look at some of these names. That's one of the things I like to do when a team comes in is I like to look at their coaching staff and just see those names and kind of reminisce about. Yep. All right, so let's wrap this up. Let's head into our Wax Packs Heroes segment because I am super excited for this this week. We have a game changer in this segment. We do. So we have been, you know, I, I went through and I bought a new Beckett at the beginning of this series. And, you know, we're opening cards from the late 80s, early 90s, and they're not worth anything. Uh, and because of that, there's no prices listed almost in Beckett. So we're, we've been struggling to, to figure out who wins and, and just to get any cards worth anything. And let alone, they don't list score because I, I guess score and Beckett's had a falling out, so they don't list score. So what I did, I went back and I found, I, I've got a bunch of old Beckett's because I, I used to subscribe. I saved them all. And they're all in a box somewhere, and I don't know where. So I just went to eBay. I ordered a Beckett from May 1992. It's got Steve Avery on the cover. We've got Roberto Alomar in the Blue Jays uniform in the back. But what I'm most excited about is there are values to just about every card that we've ever looked or pulled in this segment. And they list score. Beautiful. So we're going to have some actual totals that we can that we can total up. Sweet. So we are going to open our first pack of scores that we've ever done on this segment. So I've got two eighty nine scores here in my hand, Mark. Uh, pick a left or right, and let's see what you get. I'm going to go right. So we are going to pick this up. I'm not even going to bother looking through the see-through cover to see the first and last card, yes. because I'm just going to open it. And, and let's go to 10. Did you say these are 89 score? These are 89 score. The second year of score, okay. not nearly as pretty as the 88 score. Right. Literally, probably 100 to 150 cards listed as having a price here. We are going to go with common, still not worth anything. Okay. So, wow, you lead off with Jack Clark. Nice. And this is a good card. This is Jack Clark with the Yankees. Uh, I remember him most with the Cardinals and the Giants. But um, Jack Clark is a common, though. Sure. So, <laughs> not a strong start. Uh, here we go. Brave Dale Murphy. Hey, now there's a guy with a great career. A brave Hall of Famer, not Major League Hall right. of Famer, but a Braves Hall. He of was he was their entire team for a good while. They were they weren't a very good team, and uh, they had Dale Murphy and and Zane Smith. And that's pretty much yep. it. So this Dale Murphy card worth four cents. Woohoo! So there you go. You're off and running. Pete O'Brien with the Rangers, first baseman. Sure. Uh, Pete also played for the Mariners at some point. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, he is a common here in 1989. Yep. Got right fielder Glenn Braggs, who came up with the Brewers. Hmm. Yeah, I remember Glenn Braggs. Yeah. I remember Glenn Braggs when he was with the Reds, and I remember the 1990, because yeah. I believe he was on that World Series team. You're right. Against the A's, and I remember he broke the bat, his bat on his back when he followed through with a swing. The dude was just 
Jeez. I mean, he was ripped. I don't know if there might have been some chemical enhancement, but that is a common card. Next, we've got the ageless Charlie Liebrand. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about Charlie. Yeah, so uh, not worth anything, mm-hmm. but he pitched for a long time. He did. Here we go. Barry Bonds, a skinny left fielder, Barry Bonds. I remember that guy. <laughs> yeah. Is he really skinny in that picture? Very skinny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when he was on the Pirates, he was still skinny. He didn't bulk up until he got to the Giants. Right. Any value there? That card is worth eight cents. Woohoo! And and this this guy, you know, because these cards were kind of current at this point, lists if they were trending up or down. That card is trending down. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next, we've got Dennis Oil Can Boy. Uh, a favorite of the show. Yep. A good uh, explanation as to why he got his nickname, but that is a common card. Yep. Uh, Don Carmen. Remember Don Carmen, mm-hmm. pitcher for the Phillies? Not much. I just remembered because his name. I expect him to be a large individual, but he's rather slight. Ah. But uh, that is a common card. Uh, next, you get Mr. Bo Jackson. Oh, there you go. Bo Jackson, Mr. Two Sports, uh, one of the great athletes of all time, without question. And this card, sir, is worth 20 cents. Oh, man. I am up there now. That's like a home run in this game. You've hit a couple of singles. That's like a home run. Yeah. Oh, here is a name I have not thought about in probably since 1989. Cecilia Guante. <laughs> wow, I do remember that, but you're right. I haven't thought of that in a long time. Cecilia Guante. Picture for the Yankees. Yeah, because it's a cool name. Yeah. Cool enough that I remembered how to pronounce it, but that is a common card. Steve Lombardozzi, Mr. Do-It-All for the, the Twins. Yep. And another common. That. Yep. <laughs> Shockingly enough, yes. Don August, one of those players with a, a name from a, a month. <laughs> but uh, that is a common Dave Leeper. I remember Dave Leeper. Sure. Yep, I'm not going to look that up. Yeah. That's a common. Yeah. Tracy Jones with the Expos, an outfielder. Mm-hmm. Another common card. Larry Parrish, first baseman DH with the Red Sox. Larry he had Parrish. a good Good long career. Yeah, I he played with the Expos and the Rangers mainly. I thought he was a catcher. Uh, it says first base DH. I think I think you're right. He probably caught in his earlier years. Uh, he had played since he was a rookie in '74, and this is '89. So I'm guessing he probably knees probably gave out his first base DH at this point. Gotcha. But that is a common card. And then you've got a 1989 rookie. Mm. Now this is exciting. Who is it? Who is it? Third baseman, Kansas City Royals, Luis De Los Santos. Oh, Luis De Los Santos. Yeah, man. Big time uh, rookie prospect. Um, Boy, you're right. That career was something. (laughs) That is a common card. There are a lot of rookie cards here that are worth some money, but not Luis's. So that is the end of your pack. All right. I I scored 30 You did get a year to... uh, You did get it. Yeah. Oh, you were keeping track. I didn't even need to do the math. That's my job. I'm a scoreboard Uh, keeper. All right, so yeah, you did ramp up our first score pack at thirty-two cents. So that's not bad. Let's with with no nothing to really compare it to. Let's see what what I come up. With. All right. Oh, look at this. I'm starting off strong. First baseman, New York Yankees. One of my all-time favorites, Don Mattingly. Donnie Baseball. He yes, is. Donnie he has baseball. been discussed here as uh, someone that may belong in the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I was just reading an article on the '94 Yankees. Uh, that was they were in first place, the second best record behind the Expos when that when the strike hit. Yeah, and uh, I just love Donnie baseball. He just he never got a chance to play in the World Series, and I love I, you know, he's kind of I don't know he's kind of like a caricature of himself now as a manager. Yeah, I, I just I remember being always scared when he was up to bat because at any time he could hit you a double or a home run. You know, he was just he was an awesome hitter. And I, he wore his uniform really. I loved it. He yeah. He he wore pants that were a little bit longer than other players at that point, but you could still see the stirrup and Yep. I, I just really like it. So that's ten cent. That's a good that's a double. There you go. All right, next we've got second baseman Julio Franco. Ah. Another friend of the show. Yes. Yeah, so Julio is worth four cents. I have I think I told the story about Julio Franco, how he was, uh, you know, he played forever. He's probably still kicking around in the in a, the Caribbean League somewhere. 
But at, when he was with the Braves when I was there, he was in his late 30s at that point. He still had to get a new helmet every year because his head was getting bigger. Oh, my. What? <laughs> we know that's, that's a, it's a side effect of steroids. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I believe he played his last game at the age of 50. Yeah, he played forever. I think he holds the record for the oldest player to hit a home run. I think so, I think, yeah. In the major league, something like that. All right, next we've got outfielder for the Angels, Johnny Ray. No clue. How he is card number 14, I don't know. I don't know what score was doing there. Here we go. Now, this guy, I remember from when I first went to A's games. It was it was t- uh, Dwayne Murphy, Ricky Henderson, and Tony Armas. Uh, now, here he's at the end of his career with the Angels. And this card isn't worth anything, but I remember I was part of Armas's army <laughs> out in the outfield. Nice. Craig Def Leppert's pitcher for the uh, Craig Leppert Giants. Yeah. Kurt Stillwell. I feel like I've opened this pack with the in tops before. <laughs> Kurt Stillwell, shortstop for the uh, Royals. There, Bob Nepper. Oh boy, hey man, an Astro. Yeah, well, he pitched no, forever. Yeah, here he rookie in '76. Yeah, yeah, he did pitch forever. He was a, one of those crafty lefties, um, a Jamie Moyer type. Yep, bats left, throws left. Uh, outfielder Dave Collins. Uh, I knew Tom Collins as a drink, but I'm not sure what Dave. <laughs> Dave Collins had some very big glasses, but uh, surprisingly <laughs> enough, not worth anything. Neil Heaton, pitcher. Jeff Montgomery, reliever for the Royals. Mm-hmm. He pitched for a few teams, didn't he? Uh, well, this is his rookie card. Okay. So, shockingly enough, still a common, even though it's his rookie card. Yeah. Oh, here we go. I loved this guy. And this is he's in a Mariners uniform and he looks good here. Steve Balboni. Oh man. Steve, close your eyes and swing as hard as you can, Balboni. <laughs> I love this. He is wearing he was grandfathered in, so he didn't have to wear an ear flap. So he's got that, you know, just the batting helmet with no ear flaps on. His arms are just freaking huge and he's just swinging that bat as hard as he can. And he's got that little mustache for such a big guy. But that yeah. is a common. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Friend of the show, George Bell. Oh, yeah. 47. He is worth three cents right there. So a little, oh, little dribbler there. on the infield, but uh, good good in the outfield. Uh, catcher Joel Skinner. Remember him with the Yankees? Joel Skinner, sure. Yeah. He played for a so good this while. This is a cool card yeah. because on the front, it's him catching a ball at home plate and Dave Parker with the A's is sliding in and Parker's helmet is coming off. Looks like he's going to be safe, but that's a good looking card, but it's a common Paul Molitor, third baseman, Milwaukee Brewers. One of the all time greats. How can you not? Uh, That card is worth three cents. So I'm getting a lot of cards worth something, just not worth much. Your Bo Jackson card, I think is going to carry you. That was my grandson. We got Al Leiter pitcher for the Yankees. And then I get a special. My last card is a special one. It is a 1988 highlight, and it is highlighting the first night game at Wrigley Field. Uh, it is worth absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was a big deal. Yeah, I remember the first game was rained out that they were supposed to have. Uh, they started it, and it got rained out, and then they played the next night. So I ended up with 20 cents. So Hey, a big victory for, okay. for the marketer. All right. Raise the uh, raise the W flag for Mark. Yeah. Let's see. That brings you up to three wins, and we are now tied, my friend. It is three to three, and we're not going to talk about the dark days when we had ties. So. Right. No, no, no. We're just going to ignore those. This was a lot more fun, though, I think, because I uh, got to open it some different cards, and we had some value to some yeah, of them. Yeah, it's cool to have values for the cards. That's That makes it way more fun for the listener. And this pack, we can retire on these two packs. That's right. Um, I did, uh, in the show notes uh, last week, though, I did put in the address for uh, Cards for Kids. Uh, that's where we are sending all of our, where we're sending all the cards, because we don't, to the uh, the Cards for Kids, which is a good charity, which gives baseball cards to kids uh, to help, uh, you know, spark some interest in baseball. I'll put them in the show notes. I'll probably just put it in the show notes every week, but if you've got some baseball cards uh, hanging around that you want to maybe do something with, because they're just sitting in a box, uh, please uh, think about this. So uh, that was fun, Mark. Uh, good, uh, good couple of different kinds of segments. Some uh, players, uh, coaches' numbers, and a uh, little update on the uh, 
way that we score wax packs heroes. So that yeah, was fun. that was fun. Uh, let us uh, look at the calendar for next week. I think we should probably do another show. Uh, we've got some unfinished business with the rest of these players uh, coaching numbers. So uh, are you free the next week? Yeah, I, I'm not really doing anything. It's sorry my life. <laughs> it's, it's So pretty much status quo for Mark. Yep. So we will mark that down and we will be back. Uh, thank you. Uh, once again, if you do want to follow us on social media, you can find us at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise, both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can feel free to subscribe, rate, review, do whatever, wherever you get you know, your, your podcasts. Uh, we could, would appreciate it. And uh, let us know if you liked the, uh, the coaching segment today. Uh, and if, we, uh, if, if you want to hear the rest of it, or maybe we'll just post the spreadsheet and you can look through it yourselves. Uh, but uh, thank you once again for joining us on another edition of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Yeah.